Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. 1087 day layoff, like one of Willie Mullins' horses coming off a three-year break and coming out and winning first time out. This has been well signposted that Kerry weren't going to be flying early on in the league. But at the very minimum, what you would be looking for is three or four players to pop their head above the parapet. That's going to be the story going forward this year that no man could predict, never mind the All-Ireland winners, who's going to be the the, the All-Ireland semi-finalists based on what we've seen to date. Football was centre stage over the weekend and once again we were treated to an exciting round of league action. Roscommon made it three wins from three in Division 1 while Mayo, Monaghan and Galway all picked up their first victories of the campaign. Meanwhile in Division 2, Jack McCaffrey was back for Dublin as they picked up two valuable points away in Cork. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Throw-In Podcast. Will Slattery here with you. I'll be joined in just a moment by Dick Clerken and Conor McKeown to recap the weekend's action. But first, Michael Verney is here with me and Michael kind of Reaching the halfway point of the football league, three rounds in out of seven. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, you know, across all divisions. Yeah, very entertaining, Will. Um, uh, some kind of mad results, like you just one in particular yesterday, Kildare coming from, was it six down against Clare with a man down and winning, I think. It was unbelievable after, you know, a no-show against Cork the last day and even... Conor Laverty's 100% record coming a cropper against Fermanagh with Sean Quigley getting a late goal. Um, dra- so much drama. like Obviously, in the top tier, definitely the top two, and then loads of drama outside of that as well. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a funny year, and it's, it's hard to know exactly what to read into anything at the moment, really. Um, and she, we, come summertime, we could be saying X, Y, or Z was a false dawn as well. So it's, it's funny. You can only really take what's in front of you on a given day. You probably can't read too much into it. Yeah, the Kildare Clare game could be vital for later on in the year. Obviously, with teams getting relegated from Division Two, missing out on Sam Maguire football, you know that's a funny. That's the kind of result that Clare usually get in the league. They're usually the team coming back from you know seven down with a late surge. So, Colin Collins, I, I think he said it was like footballing suicide. Uh, he said afterwards, like that that could be a massive blow for them later in the year too. Big time, and the fact that you know their head to head with Kildare is now in a negative is is not good for them either. Um, yeah, usually they're. The real experienced, teak tough, hardened team that are seeing it out. But I was chatting a couple of different people that were down there and they just didn't use the sweeper well. They retreated. They kind of uh, invited Kildare onto them. And with the breeze at their back, Kildare kicked some great scores by all accounts. And like, like what a difference a point or two makes. Like Glenn Ryan, I'm sure he 
uh, I don't know, I, I, you, you know, adjective would describe how he was feeling the previous week in Newbridge, I'd say, after the Cork, after the Cork defeat, uh, that kind of no-show, or they're beating 2-14-7, but say he was a relieved man yesterday, and yeah, those points could be crucial come the end of the league, and come Talchin Cup slash Sam Maguire, you know, you just don't know how important those results will be uh, come summertime. Well, we're delighted to be joined now by Dick Clerken and Connor McKeown to go back over the weekend's action. And Connor, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's been an interesting couple of weeks uh, in the football league, certainly in Division 1. Ross Common going 3 for 3. I think this is two points separating second place from eighth place. So there's been a lot of kind of fluctuation between results from week to week. You know, what's been the kind of standout storyline for you across the opening three rounds? I think Ross Common are a really good storyline just because of um, the situation that they've had the last few years where they've struggled to maybe maintain a bit of consistency in the league. And three from three is a brilliant return for Davy Bork and Ross Common. Um, and I think it changes the complexion of the league completely for them now. You know, if, if they had four points, maybe you're looking at the last four games saying, where will you pick up two just to make sure that you're safe? And, and now that you are safe, you can... You know, you can you can go into those games with a completely different atmosphere around the team. Um, and they were excellent yesterday. I thought Armagh would maybe expose some areas that Roscommon might have been vulnerable, but they didn't really. And you know, they look like a they look like a team that's ready to maybe kick on to another level now, which is the sort of predictions that you make in February and tend to blow up in your face. But you know, there was enough there to suggest that they would do it. There's a load of teams that are kind of you're still trying to get a decent read on them. Um, they're in the middle, maybe the, what we might consider to be the All-Ireland contenders. Like It's hard to know where Kerry are. They're definitely behind Mayo. We know that much. Um, and it's definitely hard to know where Galway and Tyrone are now as well. And then you have the other end of the table um, where you know Monaghan got that big win yesterday, but you're still examining the rest of their fixtures that are there. Um, and I think Donegal look like they're going to be in a bit of bother. So already, I think after three games, uh, the league is kind of separating into two distinct groups. And I think any of those teams that we might consider All-Ireland contenders can still go on top of the group um, and still get into a league final. But um, it, it seems to be pretty ominous for the for the couple of teams that are down around the bottom of the division. Yeah, Dick, first, maybe to touch on Common, you know, three great victories, second half surges and all three to, to kind of kick for home. They're in an interesting position. Like they play Mayo in the first round of the championship in early April. So if they do push on and make a league final, I think it'll be the week before that big championship game. You know, what should they be kind of trying to get out of the rest of the league? Do they almost put a, a foot in the ball a bit and experiment a bit? Like, would it be beneficial to actually be in a league final with your championship game potentially the next week? Teams like Roscommon, even I put Armagh, Monaghan, opportunities to win top tier silverware don't come along that 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 often you know you'll play plenty of championship campaigns or some will go well so, so to, to win finals and compete in finals are, are not to be sniffed at even if we do sort of park the league in terms of championship i i, I think that's the sort of thing they'll sort of deal with as 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 it falls if they have to play in a final they'll go out and win it will they sort of tailor the rest of their next league campaign to really be in that final I would say not I, I would say if, if, if that's where they end up because at the end of the day they have six points you know you don't, no team goes out to lose a game right no team so the 15 you put out and the, and the five subs you go out to compete you go out to the win so Roscommon might have no choice but to play a league final because six points on the board and ten points could get them in a in a final so if they have to play it league final in Croke Park they'll play it on the merits now there's a good chance to be Mayo in the final so they're in the same position so it might be a bit of shadow boxing ahead of the, the championship game I, I think Roscommon, a team like that, as, as Connor touched on, there's a, there's a positive wind blowing in their sails. 
they should keep that going. I, I, I think as well, they have to be mindful as well. And I, I would re- reflect on Monaghan have made this mistake in the league that you you put in too much into the league that you, you almost peak too early and you can't then step it up come summertime. And that's what the good teams, the All-Ireland winning teams typically do. Dublins, the Kikeris, they'll, they'll coast along the league, do enough to get by, might win something, might get to a final, might not. But there's always a, a step up that you see later in the year. So Roscommon do need to hold something back. So I would say they'll probably start running the bench, trying to panel, rest some players, might have niggles, stuff like that. Um, but they'd be foolish to to, 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 to to pull up the reins and try and avoid a top place finish. Um, because, as I say, the, the opportunity to do that doesn't come around too often. And there seems to be a very good feel factor there with the manager, the players. Look at the crowd that was in the hide yesterday, you know, and the, and the kids out in the pitch. You know, you don't want to turn that around by losing games, you know, inadvertently. The last time they did in the OE, I think, was 2016. And they finished, I think, third or fourth in Division 1. And then they were filleted by Kerry in a semi-final and almost were struggling going into the summer. So it's a difficult kind of one. But listen, it's in a great position to be in for Davy Burke. I don't think any of, any of us would have predicted that they'd be top of the table with three from three, having only won, what was it, two of their previous 18 Division 1 games before this campaign started. And like I don't buy the, the, you know, the notion that they would be ahead of other teams physically at this stage. He was appointed relatively late in comparison to most of the other, you know, top tier counties, maybe outside of Monaghan and Donegal. So there's probably still a bit more improvement to come. I think the way they've finished so well and left guys, you know, some more experienced players to come in off the bench is uh, is brave anyway, to say, you'd have to say to say the least. And it's definitely paid off. And yeah, it's... Uh, it's I, I think as well, do, I would have noticed Roscommon over the years that at different times, all their best players weren't committing. Some years, the, the Murtas or some of them mightn't have been out. Some of the years, the dailies in and out. It seems that they're all there playing and they're all good, good, solid players that we've seen over there. So, so, and, and that's what smaller counties need. You need all your good players there at once. So they, they seem to have that and have that sort of panel and bit of depth and a bit of quality. And any team that can get that and get the best out of themselves, they're a dangerous proposition. So um, Roscommon seem to have, you know, all the all all the players there and, and no win fighting and you know very much behind what seems to be a very young exuberant manager which which you'd imagine has having a great positive impact in the dressing room. Yeah, Connor. One of the interesting results of the weekend was on Saturday night in Castlebar. Mayo, who play Roscommon as I mentioned in, the, in that early championship game, beating Kerry well, and Jack O'Connor was kind of stressing afterwards that. You know, they were late back to training and they probably are a good bit behind some other teams, but still, it was a very noteworthy early result for Kevin McStay in his tenure. Ah, definitely. Um, and the feature of it that I find most amusing is, like, wouldn't it be hilarious if Mayo won the All Ireland in Kevin McStay's first year, where they had no shade at full forward after ten years and twelve years of everybody agonising over the best spot to use him? And it turns out the most obvious area to use him is the one that works most effectively. I just wonder, like, the, the number of scores that came off him the other night. I know he didn't score himself. Um, but he just won so much ball, and he's able to flick it away so quickly. Like his his hands are so good. Um, and I think having him in there makes it much easier on Ryan O'Donoghue or Killian O'Connor or Tommy Conroy or whoever's going to be in beside him because they're not winning all the ball themselves. Um, and the other thing is so few teams play with an Aidan O'Shea at full forward nowadays that very few opposition teams have a kind of Aidan O'Shea repellent at full back anymore. Like there aren't too many Rory O'Carroll's around. You know, you wonder how Jason Foley would get on one on one back there. So um, that's the aspect of it. Like, I know Jordan Flynn got man of the match and he was excellent the other night, but you'd always be wary of a guy who doesn't score 
four or five points a game, usually scoring four or five points a game at the start of the league. So, you know, there'll probably be a bit of a leveling off there. But like that is that is the obvious thing to me from the Mayo team is that like McStay was always very adamant in his analysis that Aidan O'Shea has proper benefits still as a full forward. And uh, he's kind of backed that up in how he selected this team so far. I enjoyed a Kevin McStay quote that I read in today's paper after the game when he described Aidan O'Shea as a big effing man. Uh, he gave a, a fairly uh, ringing endorsement <laughs> of his physical qualities. Like, you know, Kevin McStay generally, it's been a, I find him a breath of fresh air so far in the Mayo role. Like his interviews have been entertaining the team. Uh, you know, they got two draws, one they should have probably lost, one they should have won, and then a victory at the weekend. It, it's been a very interesting opening couple of weeks for him. You know, how, what a dream may have been to deal with, you know, from a press point of view and how, how good McStay has been after the match and talking to Stephen Rochford and everything else. But um, uh, hopefully that continues forevermore. But in my experience, these things don't tend to last past the first wave of criticism that kind of washes over the team. So, uh, you know, it, it's all going well at the moment, you know, and I think, like, the thing about Kevin McStay is he's a very good communicator anyway, you know, and, and you can be sure that any kind of noises that come out of the camp um, would be very, very positive. And I think he's a good kind of figurehead for that, Mayo team now he's not really infused with the kind of I don't know the paranoia would you say that kind of has gotten to the managers in the past it's a very claustrophobic environment in Mayo you're not just battling against every other county around you're battling against you know sometimes the you know the negativity or in some cases the over exuberance of your own your own people but uh, so far he seems to have handled that well and I would imagine that it's actually quite an important part of the job of managing Mayo no more than it is in Kerry you know is, is being able to create the right environment and the atmosphere for the players given the amount of attention and scrutiny that they come under. Michael, what about Kerry then? You know, obviously, as Jack O'Connor mentioned, they haven't maybe done as much training as other teams. They, you know, their star players are being integrated back maybe more slowly. But will he be still very disappointed with the manner of that defeat, especially the first half? I think they were eleven points down at the break. Oh, dead right, he will. Yeah, like uh, I was kind of thinking, did a piece of, uh, just after uh, Foss's junior All Ireland win, and kind of thinking maybe David Clifford to be back around round five, or maybe he'd start in round six. You know, he's togged out the other night. He was brought in straight away. Um, you know, Paddy obviously played the, the weekend previous. Um, I, yeah, I I, th- I think you will be very disappointed. There's a good, good few things that happened this year already that you wouldn't have got a smell of happening last year. They conceded those five goals against Cork uh, in the McGrath Cup, albeit a McGrath Cup and a weekend team that's more goals than they conceded in all competitions last year. Um, you know, they probably would have been disappointed with not getting a result up in Donegal. Did a you know reasonably strong squad the other night, and it was just a real kind of limp opening. Um, I think he will be he will be disappointed. I know you say, you know, they're maybe behind the eight ball in regards to condition that they have done in comparison to other teams, but still, like, there's an expectancy in Kerry, an expectancy that they will you know deliver, you know, seventy to eighty percent performance most days, and they definitely didn't get that the other night. Now the second half was probably a good bit better. But it kind of maybe shows as well just how reliant they are on Clifford and how uh, maybe even, you know, blunt they are in attack without him. So, listen, he'll have a, he'll have a stick to beat them over the, over the coming months. But, yeah, I don't think Jack O'Connor will be happy with where he is at the moment. And, you know, Frank Roach did a piece on Saturday. I think that's the first first time in a long time a game of any significance that a Mayo team have, have beaten a, a Jack O'Connor-managed Kerry team in, in a, you know, a a game of any significance so that's a one little hoodoo after back as well just on that as well sorry lads the Kerry thing um you know like any all-ireland champion or any all-ireland winning manager like jack o'connor will still be looking to develop the team a bit more because you know no team has ever really won back-to-back all-irelands 
doing the exact same thing again. And the worry so far is that the new players that are getting the chance haven't really stood up. Like, you know, Pat Warren was gone the other night. Michal Bourne started the first two games and he was taken off at halftime. Um, you know, like, they obviously had a very strong team last year, otherwise they wouldn't have won the, the All-Ireland. But it's very rare that a team will feature the same 15 players two years in a row and hit the same heights, you know, while all around them kind of get stronger and get more used to setting up against them. So that would be the worry for me, wouldn't be the level of performance, because, you know, like, this has been well signposted that Kerry weren't going to be flying early on in the league. Um, but at the very minimum, what you would be looking for is three or four play, players um, to pop their head above the parapet and if nothing else just put a bit of pressure on the established players that are there because I'm sure after winning an, All- an All-Ireland for players it's very easy to kind of take for granted uh, your space in the team and once that starts to happen it's it can be a very corrosive agent in a squad. Yeah and a tough test for them this weekend I'm out travelling down to Tralee for what won't be an easy game you know Dick it was a good weekend for Monaghan you know they, they had maybe struggled in the opening rounds but you know a very important victory over Donegal uh, are you hopeful they might be able to spring another shock and stay up once again? I, w- I would say there's a lot of people came out of Clonish yesterday in, in good spirits. I probably felt we could have won the game because Donegal aren't in a great spot at the minute, both on and off the field. Let's, let's, let's be honest. We have to sort of measure the expectation against what, what we beat yesterday. We, we, we felt we still could eke out. But I suppose the encouraging thing from our point of view was that we had the likes of Darren Hughes, Conor McManus, Jack McCarn all back on the pitch and made a, a, a massive impact. And it, it sort of tallies in with the conversation around Kerry and Clifford, the impact one or two players can make on the overall collective. And that was very much the case in Monaghan yesterday. Like Darren Hughes, you know, dropped back in there. Just that bit of experience, physicality, you know, making a few big plays at the key times, you know, ha- has a massive impact on what is an otherwise largely sort of inexperienced, um, sort of lightweight team. And 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 Jack, you know, you know, contributed well up front, and then Connor off the bench. So th- that has a massive impact. And and I would say that's a big impact on Kerry as well. Like you know, you know what 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 Clifford brings, not just on the scoreboard, but everything around them. So Monaghan benefited from that yesterday. No, they weren't. The I think it was eight or nine points. They certainly weren't. The the, the final scoreline probably flattered them because it was nip and tuck the whole way until Monaghan sort of you know put a bit of light between them in the last ten. But but Donegal wilted badly. Like they were poor really in the first half with a strong breeze, kicked a lot of wides. You could see the the absence of Murphy and McBrearty because you'd buy it hitting pot shots and you never really had great confidence that they were going to score them. They're in they're in a spot of bother and I hear off you know outside the lines there's 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 a lot of trouble behind the scenes as well there as well in terms of the fallout from Lacey. So that's that's all just having a bad impact on them. But from Monaghan's point of view, it was great. Like we've got Roscommon and uh, Tyrone at home. Two games that are well within our capabilities to win. Win those two games. We're Division One again for the tenth year running. It's not beyond that. We've 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 come out of more difficult uh, patches, I would say, than what's ahead of us now over the next couple of weeks. So again, good good for Vinny. I'm delighted for Vinny. You know he needed that win, and uh, he'll he'll be, you know, a wee bit more content this morning as he, compared to what he had been over the last few weeks. So it's it's, it's great for them. There's a swagger about you, Dick, this morning. Ah, well, Jesus, you need something. Uh, it was tough going there for a while. And you were apprehensive because like, it's all well and good looking at Manzi and Darren coming back. But like, Jesus, these boys are 35, 36 years of age. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They shouldn't be like they really like there's very few examples of boys of that age with so many miles on the clock being able to turn up 
the first game of the year and do that. Like you give me another guy that done that for any other county at any other level. It doesn't happen. It happens in Monaghan regularly, and we're, we're we're privileged to have it. But like for Darren Hughes at his age to be pretty much the best man in the pitch in the middle of the park. That shouldn't be happening, but it is, and we're benefiting from it. So long may it continue. Yeah, and uh, you wouldn't bet against there being some more Monaghan-related drama over the next couple of no, weeks. No, no, always good value for it, yeah. But, Michael, from a Donegal perspective, like Dick touched on a few things there. Like it, it feels like the wheels are kind of coming off already You know, early in the season. The injury to Paddy McBrady, he has to have surgery on a hamstring tear. He could potentially miss their championship if, if it doesn't heal as quick as, as they would hope. It's, it's looking bleak for them. Yeah, I talk about it even at the time, like, you know, McBrady's point against Kerry the first day out, like, to me, masked over what were, you know, a load of things potentially boiling behind the surface, players opting out, Murphy's retirement, how long it took them basically to get Paddy Carr and Aidan O'Rourke in place. And now, yeah, things have kind of uh, turned around quite spectacularly in a in a bad way. Like, McBrady's out, I don't know of any um surgery on your hamstring that is minor um so that's to me that that's uh that's puts him under serious pressure for the summer and i know paddy Carr has said maybe that it's, he's not out for the season but that puts him under serious pressure you'd have to say and he's been named captain and that and they're going to be without him for the next four games um they're probably going to struggle to retain their division one status then you have the the whole hoo-ha with Carol Lacey and the academy and loads of uh, coaches and mentors uh, stepping aside basically over a bit of a Ferrari with the county board. There, Yeah, there wouldn't be good vibes going around the place. And they were actually good yesterday in the first half, but just uh, Monaghan just really turned the screw in the second half. But um, yeah, it looks like they're under a bit of pressure already and people were probably kind of predicting it beforehand. The result the first week, maybe uh, we yeah, maybe were looking favourably on them then, but... I think reality is setting quickly, beaten by eight by Tyrone. And Dick said eight was probably flattering to Monaghan, but they were beaten by eight by Monaghan as well. And the games aren't exactly going to get any easier from here on in. But they weren't great, Michael. They were, there was no aggression in them. They were, they were passive. Do you know what I mean? You could see them. They were just sort of running the lanes and going around the edges. and pa- It was all very predictable and passive. And then some man would put his head up and take a pot shot. And some of them went over. Some Like like that was a, a, a three or four point breeze in Clonus yesterday. And they, they didn't take value of it. And that, that was the difference in Monaghan. You know, when the few boys came on, they were able to kick a few points that they weren't able to get in the first half. But even when Monaghan stepped it up a bit, Jesus, there was nobody put a hand on them. It was all the Monaghan guys, you know, the likes of Darren, these boys putting in the turnovers and getting in. And it just looked, I mean, you see that in a team, you know, that sort of lack of intensity and, and I say that passiveness, that, that's a saying that that's not a happy camp. You know, they're not willing to fight and put in the hard tackles and the hard yards to eke out a result that they should have been able to do yesterday because they're in a great position. They're two points up halfway through the second half. You know, Monaghan still hadn't kicked on. Monaghan were very poor now for, for a lot, lot of that game until they got a wee bit of daylight, but they, they just didn't didn't go for it, you know. And losing your captain who's been picked to replace Michael Murphy in the leadership stakes, you know, can't be overstated as well as the, what he brings to the field in Paddy McBrady. Connor, the final Division 1 game, Galway got their first victory of the campaign against Tyrone. You know, important for Pori Joyce to finally get two points on the board. Yeah, like that's the thing, you know, when, you, when you've been in All-Ireland Final the previous year um, and, you know, people are nearly kind of giving you a free pass for the start of the league. That's all well and good until you find yourself in a bit of a relegation battle and there's a bit of sort of negativity that comes with it. And, you know, particularly after the way that they lost in Salt Hill to, um, to Ross Common. Like, I think I went back through it. They'd only lost maybe, they'd only lost um, two games in the previous seven years in in, in Salt Hill in the league. Um, so it's not a place where they cough up too many 
too many losses. Um, and obviously the way the game finished with Comer out for a kind of, um, you know, like we still don't know how long he's going to be out for. Shane Walsh is still away. Tom O'Culhan, who I think would be a good replacement for Damian Comer, he's still not back um, in the team. So, like, they're down bodies. Um, and this time of year, you just really badly need to get a win. Um, but having said all that, like, Toronto are the team, maybe in Division 1, that I find hardest to read at the moment. Like, they've been kind of equal parts good and bad within the confines of single games. And then, you know, like, obviously, Duran, Donegal off the pitch, We'll have to review that at the end of the year to see how much merit was actually in that performance and that result, given what's happened to Donegal at the moment. But um, yeah, they faded badly. Like if you look at the Tyrone team, it doesn't make any sense because one to fifteen, you're looking at the same. But that's very strong in every line, um, and particularly the inside forward line. It just looks like the the perfect balance and the perfect combination and variation that's all there. But it's it's just not quite happening for them yet. Um, and again, we can all write this off as as being all very February. But Tyrone were one of those te- teams that. You know, after the way last year transpired, I think we probably felt they needed to have a strong league, you know, and if they did have a strong league, then, you know, what could come next could be fairly inevitable. But, um, like, they haven't done that. And um, I think they're going to be maybe more, one of the more interesting teams to watch over the next few weeks because I know Brian Duhar always looks very serious and stern, but he looked particularly serious and stern yesterday as the match was kind of coming towards an end. And I'd be surprised if they're not uh, one of the management teams that's doing the most amount of worrying just at the moment. Yeah, and a trip to Castle Bar this weekend, so it doesn't get any easier from a fixture list perspective. Dick, what's your read on Toronto where they are at the moment? I, I was just listening to, to Peter Canavan last night on the on the League Sunday. I'd say they're very frustrated. Like they're they're they just seem to not be making any progress or any consistency. Like by all accounts, that game yesterday they should have been winning that. Similar to the Roscommon game, like it seemed to be a foul day in, in Salt Hill that they had the elements I was, I was watching McCurry the boys were kicking over points with the breeze at their back and then just couldn't figure out a way how to win it and so I think that can be a positive in that they're doing a lot right you know they're not getting the results and they, they it, it, it's not a case that they're, they're they're not good enough I think a few wee tweaks um, might help them but they're just a bit of an unknown at the minute. You know, you don't know what you're going to get with them. I'd say they could, like they did against Donegal, they could turn up and and, and give you a scalp and uh, compared to that, the games against Roscommon and Galway, they sort of threw them away. So, the Monaghan have them now in a couple of weeks is going to be a, a massive game. You'd imagine both teams would be looking at that. Like a lot of the games for the last runs of the league as, as a relegation sort of playoff type thing. And, you know, I think there's a talent. You look at the talent they have, young know, Canavan, like they've scores all over the place, McShane. They just probably haven't got all those guys knitting together. And they probably have to figure out what's the best style of play. You know, the likes of Matty Donnelly, these boys who are such pivotal players, you know, in terms of ages doing them no favours, need to fit in and find out the likes of uh, Petey Hart. So they probably just don't know their best 15 at the minute. I'd say that's probably going with the lack of consistency. They just don't have a, a sort of bedded in structure. And they'll have to figure that out. And they'll use the league to do that. I'd say they'll get they'll, they'll be good enough to stay up. I think they've too much talent there and score and potential there um, that they won't stay up. Whether they'll get up to the heights of, of winning all Ireland's, we'll wait and see. The only thing is, like, and, and I think it's, you talked about what's the, the overall team of the league, the, the, the competitiveness. Like, you, you look at the eight Division One teams, you could even throw four Division Two teams up that would, would, 
would fancy themselves to take a, to take a, f- a few scalps of those digital teams. That's going to be the story going forward this year that n- no man could predict, never mind the All-Ireland winners, who's going to be the, the, the All-Ireland semi-finalists based on what we've seen to date. Like you really have 10, 12 teams have rightly claimed to say, right, we can realistically be there at an All-Ireland semi-final stage. Now to, to go the next, bre- next step, that's another question but the level of competitiveness now that's more to do with the the best aren't as good as they were but but that makes for a great championship and we're seeing that play out in the league at the minute and it's and it's and it's great and intriguing viewing you know yeah michael to dick's point like we might touch on division two now like there's some fascinating storylines there as well i know you were in porky Cueve yesterday for the dublin court game you know the return of jack mccaffrey obviously was very eye-catching but you know generally like as dick said there's a couple of teams in division two that could be quite competitive with the majority of the division one teams on their day no, oh, without a doubt, with the Dubs and Derry for starters. Anyway, both top of the table with with three wins from three, and I know the Dubs have to go up to Derry, uh, up to Celtic Park, which would be an interesting game. But the chances are those two are probably going to meet in the final again. Uh, it was a fascinating game down in Parky Cueve yesterday. Um, there's a couple of mad, mad enough kind of refereeing decisions. There was ten yellows thrown out and two reds in one of the cleanest games of football I've seen in in a long, long time. It was bizarre, really. Um, from a Dublin point of view, they were opened up a couple of times. I think Cork had five goal chances. Uh, David O'Hanlon made a great save from from Chris Jones in the first half and made a you know a brilliant little deflected effort from Brian Hurley's uh, shot at the end. Hurley was sensational the whole game, and uh, there was the ball floated in around the square, and he ended up getting it in his hands and. Hannon just pushed it onto the post, and all of a sudden it was over. And the Dubs were lucky probably to come out with the with the two points in the wind up, um, when. Cork went down to 14 after Ian Maguire sending off for second yellow for like a slight pull in the jersey. I've, I've never seen the like of that. I thought it was bizarre. But du- the Dubs kicked the next four. Then Lee Gannon was sent off on a second yellow as well. Again, I, I don't think you'd see the sniff of a yellow forward come summer. And then Cork resurrected themselves, got themselves back into the game. But as I said, Jack McCaffrey came on. James McCarthy came on. Like They had to go into their reserves to, to get over the line. I think Desi Farrell would be delighted just to to come out there in one piece and, and with six points on the board but definitely defensively we're asked uh, plenty of questions again hard to know what to make of Dublin's form as well uh, beat Kildare narrowly beat Limerick well as they should be like edged Cork I think they beat them by 12 when they played last year in the championship beat them by two yesterday kind of holding on at the end um, Khan was very good again a lot of the you know it's not as if they're you know he's he's Throwing a new few, a few new faces in, Darren Newcomb was very good in defence. Actually, he kicked two points, but generally it's you know, Fitz, it's Mick Fitzsimons, John Small, Brian Fenton, Kieran Kilkenny, Khan, Niall Scully, Carmel Costello, a lot of the same kind of faces. Um, and it does look like you know if Dublin are going to win the All Ireland this year, it will be there'll be a few new faces in there, yeah, but it will be all the as Farrell calls them, all the old stagers. And I don't know what Connor thinks he might have his finger on the pulse in Dublin a bit more, but. De- definitely kind of looks like I know that the, you know Kerry are obviously ahead at the moment the chasing pack is very condensed with a lot of you know a lot of teams in there but you know if, if Dublin are to win All-Ireland this year you kind of be wondering you know when will the next All-Ireland come almost you know what I mean and I know Connor, you did the piece about the drop-off and you know the faces that are gone and the faces that have come in but this this does have a last hurrah nearly written all over it yeah, I, like I didn't like. There's no doubt that the next wave of Dublin talent um, is not of the same standard as the last wave. And I think once that, you know, the, the team of players that were born in 1993, 
Um, once they kind of go over the hill, it's hard to see where the next great Dublin team is coming from. But like against that, like if we sat here and picked our first Dublin 15 here now, I'm not sure many of us would bet against them winning the All-Ireland. But by the same token, if I was to pick, take two players at random out of that team and we look at what the backup is going to be, uh, you'd find it hard to wage anything significant on them. So that's what it's going to come down to as well. And like Desi Farrell has spent four years now, well, three years, the first year really when they won the All-Ireland, it was off the fumes of the previous regime. But I think now he's spent three years and they've used a huge amount of players. They've used anybody in Dublin that has showed any sign of being nearly good enough for this level. Um, and the number of players that come through has been absolutely minuscule. There's been Lee Gannon, um, Lorcan O'Dell came into the team last year. He might be under a bit of pressure this year with Mannion coming back. So, like, inevitably, they're going to go back to the same players. Now, when those players have won five All-Irelands in a row, you might say, well, it would take something fairly special to come through for them to not go back to those players. But, um, like, I don't know how much longer we're going to see James McCarthy. I'm not sure how much longer we're going to see Mick Fitzsimons. Um, so there's definitely... There's definitely a feeling that Dublin are throwing everything at this, everything possible at this to try and win this All Ireland. But um, the thing that kind of strikes me watching them now is how kind of pedestrian they are in moving the ball. Like, like Jack McCaffrey's point yesterday was brilliant, and you know I think everybody enjoys watching Jack play football. But um, you know Dublin never really kicked the ball into their inside forward line, and and they have probably the best ball winner in the game in there. And and it was it was to their detriment I think last year how slow they moved the ball from back to front. Um, they just, they're very much about playing the percentages and being cautious. And, you know, we say, well, that's why when they score one of those points and after they stitch 45 hand passes together and then somebody slots it over from the D. But I just wonder if they're playing at full capacity, whether if Khan and particularly if Mannion comes back into the team, whether they wouldn't be better off actually moving the ball in quickly. Because they, like, they couldn't win a ball against Kerry in the inside forward line last year without Khan. Um, and I think that's probably a part of their game that they're going to have to develop, regardless of who's on the pitch, if they're going to go and win the All-Ireland. Because if you know for definite that the team's going to run the ball from everywhere in the pitch, um, it's much easier to stop them, even if one of those ball carriers is Jack McCaffrey. So, yeah, like I think you're totally right. The dubs are going to be completely reliant on the same players who played in 2019 um, to win the five in a row to win this All-Ireland. I wouldn't be surprised if they fielded the same 14 outfield players that played in that semi or that final replay against Kerry. Um, but just from the style point of view, it's something I've noticed over the last couple of years. They've, they've stopped kicking the ball into the inside line unless it was a situation like last year's Leinster final against Kildare, where Kildare went man-on-man. There was no sweeper and it was just a bit of a turkey shoot. So, yeah, I think that's the part of their game they're going to have to develop if they are to win the All-Ireland. Do you think there's an All-Ireland in this Dublin team still if they're relying on that core of guys who you know maybe are... On the not the wane, but certainly maybe past their peak slightly. Yes, like let's let's ask a simple question: If Conor Callaghan, Jack McCaffrey, and Paul Mannion were on the pitch for Dublin last year, would they have won the All Ireland? Would they have beaten Kerry? Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would. That was you know the the marginally lost to Kerry, who went on to win it. Those three players alone probably worth at least six points to any team and they're beaten beaten Galway. So they they're back, but Mannion still has to come back, assuming that he'll he'll be back fit and ready for the summer. If those three players are fit, like and they're not they're not they're not old or agey. Like we're we're talking it's, it's actually Alison said to me last night, God along what age is Jack McCaffrey? Sure he's about this donkey. So I looked it up in Wikipedia. He's twenty nine. 
like he's 29 <laughs> Connell Callan what's he 27 8 28 you know like these boys are are you know actually at their peak age you know like I talk about Darren Hughes been old he's 36 right these guys are they're just about a long time they're not necessarily old and, and sometimes the old saying familiarity breeds contempt you just think uh, and I used to get that when I was playing long enough would you ever just feck off you're here too long like these guys are, are as good as there is and, and and why wouldn't you play them when you have them like Desi Farrell didn't have them last year and it cost him in all Ireland. He has them this year and he will play them when they're fit because, as Connor says, the boys behind them aren't good enough. And it's up to them to take the jersey off the McCarthy's, the Mannions, and, and these guys. It's not up for them to hand it over to them. And that's that's what the good teams and the very few of them manage it to transition from the great. And, and not have that slip. You know, Cody was probably the one that done it better than any. And he, how, look how ruthless he was in transition. It's a very difficult thing to do. And a lot of managers and counties get it wrong. Desi Farrell want another All-Ireland. Those guys want All-Ireland. And they will play the best team that they have. And they'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, and, and if those players are fit and well, they're as good as what's out there. So so don't bet against them being, you know, Ireland champions this year. But they need them all, more than the Kerrys and the Armas and the Thrones are having their best players. They need them because we do know now their bench and the reserves isn't what it was five years ago when they didn't necessarily need all their top players. They could wheel in the cavalry with 10, 15 minutes to go and see how the game. They need all these players fit. So it comes at, as I say, sometimes your greatest asset is your greatest risk. They have great assets, but if, if for whatever reason they maybe aren't available, well, then they be they come back into the pack as we seen last year and why they're a Division 2 team at the minute. Yeah, just to finish up on Dublin then, Michael, like since you were there yesterday, like how did Jack McCaffrey look? You know, people, I think it was over a thousand days since his last Dublin appearance and, you know, three years out for a guy who relies so much on his pace. Like, was he the same kind of player from what you could see? Yeah, a thousand and eighty-seven day layoff, like one of Willie Mullins' horses coming off a three-year break and coming out and winning first time out. He didn't look, uh, didn't look like he'd really skipped a beat pace-wise. Anyway, I was just watching him even in some of the drills, and you could just see an injection of pace. He actually should have been offloaded a ball. He was in for a goal at one stage. Um, yeah, no, it just added a lot of pace. And as Connor says, there, there can be a bit slow and ponderous in transition, whereas he's just like six gear. Like there is no, there's nothing else. And uh, it didn't look like he'd missed much of a beat. Now, it's a big difference coming in for, what did he come in in, like the 58 minutes and playing the last 20 minutes compared to, you know, starting a game and playing the guts of about 80 minutes. But uh, by the end of the league, uh, barring injury, I'd imagine he'd be back up to full pace. Yeah, so he showed all the energy and exuberance of old, yeah. Just on uh, the McCaffrey thing and how long he's been out, I know you calculated it was 1087, but his last game for Dublin was that night in Oma um, when the teams had the bit of a Barney in the tunnel at halftime. And he only came on at halftime in that game and he was gone with a hamstring injury 20 minutes later. And that was only his only appearance in 2020. So for the last actual game that he played properly for Dublin, you're actually going back to the 2019 All-Ireland Final replay. So you're talking about four years effectively out of, out of playing the game at this level. And Jack spent a while living in England over the last while, so he wasn't even playing club football for a first stint of that. Um, so, like, I remember when he did the Cruciate in 20, was it 2015, and people were asking, would he be as quick when he came back? And then he came back, I remember, in the Leinster quarterfinal against Westmead, and he took off. And, you know, he's one of these few players that when you're in the stadium, as soon as he gets a ball, there's a bit of a buzz around the stadium. Like, Tommy Walsh used to have it in Hurling. There's very few footballers around like that. But Jack had that. But after four years away from playing football at this level, like surely there's a physiological reason why you can't run that fast anymore. 
and I saw it yesterday, as soon as he got the ball, he went through a gap that didn't exist and, and three Cork players nearly fell over each other trying to catch him. So um, he's, a, he's a great addition. I, I, it's hard to think of a Dublin footballer as kind of universally popular as, as Jack McCaffrey is just because he's so different and he's so good to watch. Yeah. The only thing on that, Connor, is, and this is any any athlete will tell you, that the one thing that you can't counter with age is it's not just speed doing it once. For him, it remains to be seen where he can do that consistently over 70 minutes that's what stood him out like most most players you get to the age can still do a fairly good split time over 60 80 minutes but ask them to keep going back and do it again and again that's where the lungs and the age sort of catches you so we we know he has it in the locker to do it a one-off like that does that time out of the game and the overall fitness uh, you know you go back to that was it the 2019 final that he was just probably one of the the best All-Ireland final performance we've seen can he do it at that level for 70 minutes that's the question but I wouldn't rule it out because he just seems to be a phenomenal athlete yeah well how he performs over the next few weeks is one of the many interesting talking points that we'll be keeping an eye on but for now I'd like to thank Dick, Michael and Connor for joining me on the latest episode of the Throw-In Podcast we'll be back next Monday with a show looking back on all the football and hurling action and in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye this is an Irish independent podcast